Welcome to the Do Life Better podcast, where we believe that you get to create who you have been and who you become, and that it's often the smallest changes and actions that make the biggest difference. I'm your host, Dave Jorner, and each week I will bring you the best guests, tips, and messages to inspire and help you and me do life even better. Thank you for joining me today. Now, let's get started. Hi friends, and thank you for choosing to spend some time with me today. And yes, I really am incredibly grateful for each and every one of you. You know, whether you've been a long-time listener, or even if this is just your very first one, Thank you very much. It does mean a lot to me to know that you do choose to be part of our Do Love Better community. And speaking of which, we do have a fan of the week for today. And this one comes from Ash. And he says, new and hooked within a day. A mate put me onto Do Love Better podcast just yesterday, suggesting it was right up my alley. He was right. I subscribed and downloaded a few episodes from my trip to and from work today. And I was glad I did. Dave's delivery is humble and down-to-earth, yet the topics he covers are relevant and delivered in an insightful and easy-to-digest manner. I look forward to working my way through the back catalogue and listening to new episodes as I continue on my journey of trying to do life better. Ash, thank you very much, and also to your mate who put you onto this. Thank you to both of you. Um, It really does mean a lot to me, Ash, to know that you have been gaining so much from this podcast. And again, as we all try to do life even better within this community of ours. And now for today's episode, being the first one of the year, I thought we would start today by looking at how you and I can do this year even better, how we can continue to create an even better version of yourself for this year, to achieve those goals, to dream even bigger, to aim even higher for this year. So for this one, what I thought is that we'd actually create another mashup. There were so many incredible guests last year who gave us a lot of strategies, insights, wisdom, and inspiration. And so I thought I'd go back through the catalog and pick out four of the most popular guests who had some incredibly helpful and inspiring messages. Now, this wasn't the easy task I thought it was going to be. In fact, it took a lot longer to create this episode than most other episodes do because there's so many guests to go back through, so many other interviews. And when I did finally find the four episodes to use, even then it was really difficult figuring out which segment, which part of each episode to share with you today. So I really do encourage you, you know your goals, you know your vision, your dreams for this year. I really do encourage you to go back through our back catalog to find the ones that will help kickstart your year this year. And when you do hear the four coming up, the four guests coming up, again, I really encourage you to go back and listen to their entire episode. Now, speaking of these guests, today we have Laura Geitz, who captained the Australian netball team, the Australian Diamonds, to a World Cup gold medal and a Commonwealth Games gold medal, and also took the Queensland Firebirds to -to back-to-back championship wins. We also have Dan Stanford, who is the author of Lose the Cape, Embrace Ordinary. And he shares some incredibly inspiring messages about the difference we need you, that's right, we need you to make in the world around you and to the people in your life. We also have Rick Hansen, who is a New York Times bestselling author for his book, Hardwiring Happiness, the new brain science for contentment, calm and confidence. Now, I don't know if you remember, but when he came on, I was incredibly excited because I've been a big fan of Rick for a very long time, uh, for a number of years actually, before I actually finally got to speak with him. So I was really excited to hear from him. He has also authored a number of other very popular books, including Resilient. But firstly, 
We begin with Steve Willis, also known as Commando Steve, from The Biggest Loser and The Australian Survivor. Now, as you know, he we actually had three episodes with him last year. Um, and we begin with a little bit from his first episode where he talks about The Biggest Loser and the idea of the imposter syndrome and what that was like for him. And we'll also hear a bit from his episode after The Australian Survivor. So... I hope you enjoy this mashup as our guests dive into some habits, strategies, and inspiration for helping you create your best self. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You okay. feel like a fake. You feel like a fraud. You feel like, why yes. me? Why Why not a uh, hundred other people that you thought could do the role just as well? And um, yeah, hey, there was... Uh, and after, I guess, landing the role... Um, for the, as the commander on The Biggest Loser standing at the front gate for the first time I filmed on camera holding, you know, one of those red flares that you have if you're lost yeah. out at sea or <laughs> with that thing burning my hand and about three cameras <laughs> filming me going, what the, what's going on here? I can't believe this is happening to me. And, yeah. um, and then, you know, doing training sessions, which wasn't out of the norm for me, but what was out of the norm was having cameramen and sound men and uh, or camera people, sound people and and producers and and directors, kind of all around on the peripheries, watching what you were doing with other people, and uh, that was that was very overwhelming, very confrontational, and it took me a number of years for that to kind of just fall into place and um, kind of get my own rhythm. And I really thank uh, that my co-trainers on the show. Uh, Michelle and Shannon, because they had both done a little bit with television beforehand, so they had they had kind of walked that path, and uh, I just observed. And a lot of the time, me not speaking um, <laughs> was exactly what they wanted for the role. But did that work? Dam- yeah, <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> yeah, it gave them the dimension, and and uh, I guess the it fit the character and the, the description that they were looking for of the commando, this very one-dimensional, mm. arms crossed, sunglasses on, no excuses kind of guy. Mm. But um, over the years, as the, as the show developed and as the role developed, they wanted me to come on in a more full-time capacity. Well, that's where I really needed to do some, some investigation on myself and learn how to string more than three words together. Um. And to be honest, it was definitely more the uh, the imposter, the kind of um, I don't deserve this type of thing. And that again was a lot of it was a lot to do with the story I'd been telling myself for so long through my youth that um, around acceptance and I don't I don't deserve this, um, you know the why me all that type of stuff. But I I guess I managed to um, deal with that internal dialogue. And just keep, kept putting each day one foot in front of the other. And that's something that I learned from the army. Small steps. Don't try and look too far down the path or too far up the mountain. Otherwise, it will overwhelm you and get the better of you. And um, just keep chipping away. And remember, too, I'd left the army at 22. My first daughter was born. Um, and then at that stage with The Biggest Loser, my other daughter... Uh, about a year or two into uh, the biggest loser, my second daughter was born. So I had I had a reason to be doing this stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, if I wasn't doing that, what else would I be doing? I would have been second guessing myself anyway, and at anything else. And um, so, speaking of second guessing yourself, then what was mm-hmm. 
with that internal dialogue, what was your strategy? Was it something that you'd tell yourself? Was it mindfulness? Did you distract yourself? How did you work through that negative internal dialogue? Well, I think more so than anything, I thoroughly enjoyed doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And and to rewind again, just to confuse everybody, when <laughs> I was when I was real when I was young, I, I can't remember, maybe four, five, six, I had a I had a like a vision, like a dream of being in a room, standing in front of people and talking to them. No way. And I and as I say this to you right now, I can mm-hmm. I can picture exactly the same um it's the same picture from, from way back. There's no real clarity around it. It's mm-hmm. like when you see the, the figures of humans in a room and it's, it's like they're a bit of a cardboard cutout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of standing there on the stage having a conversation with people. And that's what I've been doing with The Biggest Loser and, and even um, in these past couple of years with keynotes and getting in front of corporates and, and traveling all over Australia and just um, just sharing with people um, my message around you know, the Lao Tzu way of uh, simplicity, patience and compassion um, and, and kind of embracing that inner child. We need to, to, to be a little a little more gentle with, uh, with, with ourselves and one another as human beings. We're all at different points and, and um, I guess accepting and surrendering to to what is right now in this present moment for yourself and understand that you have the opportunity to uh, to do things differently and when we even when we have a conversation around this we see our hands we see or feel our bodies and we think that it's that action piece that we need to do things differently mm. it's in here we can, we can learn to feel. What is it that we're feeling? You know, we can observe ourselves and our thinking, and um, the and the way in which we uh, we react to given situations, and and understand that we actually have choices. We can, rather than react, we can choose. You know, the you know, Buddhism talks about um, seeds, and you know, anger is a seed. Jealousy is a seed. Contempt is a seed. You know, everything is a seed. Joy is a seed. Happiness is a seed. Which seeds do we choose to water? Nice. So, and a lot of us tend to water the the seeds of anger, you know, the seeds of the seeds of fear and the like. And we are all responsible for our own joy and happiness. And that's something that I've been putting into practice with my meditation lately: is sitting there and you know, I feel joy. Uh, breathing in, I feel joy. Breathing out, I know joy is there. Breathing in, I feel joy in my hair. Breathing out, I smile to my hair, and I mm. go through my whole body. And I, and it's also a sign of respect. It's showing respect to your body and things that you do, we don't too often think about. You know, firstly with our breath, you know, and then things almost as insignificant as a hair. I, I breathe in, I, I feel joy in my eyes. Breathing out, I smile to my eyes. I'm grateful that that I've got eyes and I get to see every day and to take in all these wonderful experiences and, and the like, I, I breathe in, I, I, uh, I feel joy in my lungs, breathing out. I smile to my lungs, my heart, my, my legs, my feet that get to carry, that, that carry me. You know, there's all of this stuff that, 
that we can uh, sit and just be with and be grateful for in the present moment. But first, we need to accept and surrender mm. to what is. And a lot of that is hard because we don't want things to be, a lot of the time, the way that they are. Yep. But how they are for us right now is... It is a pro. It, it, it's it's uh, it's cause and effect. Mm. It's things and how they're manifesting themselves or playing out. It's like the ripening of fruit are um, are because of the choices that we've made. The tough one. I think it's really a fifty-fifty response in terms of being excited about the fact that there's a certain amount of self-belief within them mm-hmm. to achieve their goals uh, and I think you know that's amazing an amazing quality to have is and you know to be successful you need to have that self-belief that no one's going to stop you and no one's getting in your way of you achieving your dream so there's that part of it which is um, is exciting to hear mm-hmm. um, but there's also I think the other 50% is that's great but you're it's not mm-hmm. all going excuse me to happen exactly how you want it to happen and you have to realize that you are probably going to meet people along the way that are better than you Mm, and you have to accept that and you're going to meet people that you're better than as well so I think that was the really great thing that my parents were able to do was and probably mum did it that day in a way that um, that's great sweetheart encouragement but also do awesome. you realise, you, you, like, this is this is going to be hard. It's not just because you want it to happen, it doesn't mean it is going to happen. So there was that um, side of remaining, I suppose, quite humble and realising, um, I suppose, in a way, how it, it just wasn't going to be if I just wanted it to be. There was going to be things that potentially stepped in the way and, and made it very difficult to achieve. I think probably the realisation of that particular moment was um, if I skip forward a few years, 2013, so we talk about that first introduction in 2011 through Lauren's injury. It wasn't until two years later I was sitting in a room at the Aussie camp and um, we actually did a player vote for captain and it was an open vote so we could all see or you had to present in front of everyone who voted for who. Um, and basically everyone's initials were put on a whiteboard and you got a tick or a, t- a mark for every vote you got. Wow. And, um, yeah, a pretty uh, in-your-face moment. Mm. Um, it was something that none of us saw coming at the time. Um, but I walked out of that room and I think out of a squad of 20 girls, there was only one girl who didn't include me in, in her votes and... Um, wow. That was just, I I remember walking out of the room and ringing mum immediately and going, the most bizarre thing has just happened. (laughs) I've just, I said, I'm absolutely like gobsmacked because I just, these girls are like seeing me as a potential captain of this team. Um, And I just can't get my head around that. Mm. And then it hit me that, hang on a minute, at the end of the day, I want to be captain if I have a, the player's support behind me. Mm-hmm. That is that is the, the time that I know that I'm the right person for the job when it hasn't come from just a coach. I've seen it with my own two eyes. There's been no risk of dodgy votes or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you've, you've been put in there because the coach wants you in there. It's when the players 
put you in that position is when you know, well, I've got their full support and I'm ready for this opportunity and I'm going to grab this opportunity and that's probably the moment that it all happened for me. I had games where early, early games when I was captain where I didn't focus on my own job and I thought because I had this new title that I had to be somebody completely different. Um, and that was my very first experience as captain of the Diamonds um, was, you know, I was, I was just basically trying to be something that I wasn't um, and it, it turned out horribly wrong and I ended up on the bench for that game and I think I'm to date the only Australian captain that's been benched in a debut game so it's a great stat to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, the New Zealand media reminded me of that straight after the game and, um, you know, I – that at the time wanted to dig a hole and hide in it because it was mortifying and horrible. Um, but now again, when I look back on it, it's probably, you know, I'm, I'm actually really glad that it happened. I had a conversation with the coach, Lisa, after that game and she basically said, today you tried to be everything that you're not and it just didn't work out. Um, and the reason you've been put in this position is because the girls have voted for you to be there for what you've done in the past. Mm. So why go changing now? And that's when I talk, if I revisit your last question about, you know, your four big qualities um, or your four things that you like to base yourself around, that's where the, that's where the, you know, the authentic, genuine behaviour stands so strong for me now through Mm. that lesson of trying to be something that I'm not and trying to pretend and it not working out um, and then going back out there for game two and just worrying about my own job and doing my own thing um, and doing that to the best of my ability. And, you know, all of a sudden every single girl out on court started doing her job to the best of her ability and the result was significantly different. Mm. So um, I once I received a text message after a specific game in Glasgow for the 2014 Com Games and it stuck with me and it's um, good leadership is shown in the behaviour of your followers and it's um, it stayed with me I think you know when you look after your own backyard and and you do your job properly. Um, and the girls see you doing your job properly in whatever way you prepare yourself and do things that works for you, they then go, I'll do my job and I might prepare completely different to her, but if I just get my job done, then that's okay. And if we all just get our own job done, then all of a sudden we're all heading in the right Mm -hmm. direction and, you know, the team is capable of wonderful things. I, they're the moments that you dream of as a little girl when you're in the backyard oh, yeah. shooting uh, with... Me as a little girl, I had the exact same ones, yeah. <laughs> when you're shooting with mum in the backyard and you say to her, mum, this, this is the goal to win the grand final in, you know, like extra time and whilst I wasn't a shooter, they're the little things that you think about when you're a little girl and, and then when you, you know, you get older, you still dream of those moments. Mm. You want to... You mm. wanna, be the person and you want to be a part of something that's great that gets people out of their seats and I suppose at the end of the day sports people are entertainers in a way you know we love to we love to get people out of our seats we love to bring enjoyment to people and um, and we get so much back from that as well so I think for me and I've often I do I say this about my career in the pressure times in the challenging moments is when 
I've learnt the most about myself mm-hmm. and when I've actually been able to do things that I never thought was capable. So when I find myself in pressure situations or challenging situations, and I always say this to young kids at clinics, don't see it as, you know, a, a, oh, I'm about to face a huge challenge or I'm, I'm just going through a really tough time. We all do. It's actually, you know, when you come out of it and you look back at that tough time, I think there's always so much more to have been learnt and gained in those times than when everything just cruises along so easily and well. Sure. Uh, an example I like to share is, um, so my wife, uh, she has uh, retinitis pigmentosa with Usher syndrome. Uh, hard phrase to say, harder mm. phrase to live with. Uh, it means that she's losing her eyesight and her hearing. Uh, oh, so wow. she's losing two of, of her senses and, uh, and it can be 12% a year. I mean, so, you mm. know, it, it's a, a very um, awful, awful disease. And, um, and so she wakes up every morning with every excuse to be served. You know, I mean, she could just lay around and let everyone come to her and, and she would have that right. And yet she gets up every morning and she looks for ways to tangibly make a difference in other people's lives. In fact, her favorite phrase is choose joy. You know, for her, joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is based on choice. She's going to choose to make the most out of every day. And it's contagious. You know, when people see that, hey, you have every reason to complain. Here, I'm complaining because the barista gave me a decaf rather than caffeinated coffee. Uh, But you're losing your eyesight and your hearing and you're choosing to celebrate and to look for the positive things in life and um in fact i i just off the cuff was thinking about um there's a gentleman uh i was watching an interview with him he has no arms or legs and uh, one of his quotes was is is if you don't get a miracle for yourself be a miracle for somebody else and um and and, and that's what my wife does she's just she's a miracle for other people and uh and i mean i could share a lot of tangible stories about her and that but that's not we're here for uh but just to answer your question um i think that everyday heroism is you know the the little lady who's like on a fixed income but she still chooses to help out like with a food pantry you know it's the dad who struggles with anxiety but rather than allowing his fear to cripple him he chooses to take his kids to the park because he's more concerned about their fun than his fear you know it's the people who are willing to to make those sacrifices and yeah it's often the, the seemingly insignificant that i think makes the biggest differences uh, I think there's often times where we feel like if, if I had the talent of that celebrity or if I had the talent of that person in you know the, the quote unquote top two percent, mm. then I too could be making a difference. And we fail to realize that availability, just saying, hey, I'm willing to use whatever I have, whoever I am starting right now, makes the biggest difference in the world. In fact, there there is a phenomenon where if a group of people are all on the beach and one person's drowning, that oftentimes everyone's going to just stand there because they expect someone else to be the one to jump out there and to do it. 
And, you know, and the whole time the person's out there is like, hey, I'll take anybody. <laughs> you know, anybody who's willing to come out here, I don't care if you're an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, you know, I don't yeah. care if you know CPR. Just somebody come out here. And, and, and the world is desperate for someone to just say, you know what? I'm willing to just jump in and I might doggy paddle, but I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get that person back to shore. I think even more importantly, we have to start celebrating who we are. You know, I think too many of us, like we were saying at, at the beginning of the interview, are, really do feel insecure, feel insignificant. You know, like I, I said, I was always the skinny kid, you know, growing up. And, and, and that's not something celebrated. You know, typically that means that you're the, the last person picked to be on the sports team, or if, if picked at all. And, and that can start creating this sense of being uh, unvaluable. Um, but it's only when you start realizing that, you know, I shouldn't be allowing other people to dictate my value, um, that that is something that is, is intrinsic. That is something that, that I have to take ownership for, that, that I am made the way I am for a reason. You know, God doesn't make accidents. I am made the way I am for a reason. And, and I have abilities within me that this world needs. And I need to start celebrating those things. And, 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 uh, and, and it takes some experimenting. You know, it takes some trial and error, being willing to fail a, a couple times and be like, oh, you know what? Maybe stage acting isn't my thing. Uh, but maybe I could be the person who's behind the scenes, who's holding the light so that it, it shines on the actor because that's really important important. And, uh, and so having the humility um, to embrace whatever that might be and, and using that. Um, but I think bottom line for me is I want the listeners to know that you're valuable, that you're important. Don't undersell yourself. You know, don't let the bully dictate how you feel about yourself. Don't. Maybe you came from a rough family, and your family didn't have a, a lot of. Um, uh, didn't see you as being valuable. Um, don't let that dictate your life. You know, you have something to contribute that's unique. There's no one like you. There's no one like you, and uh, and, and and this world will be robbed. If you don't act courageously, if you don't step out and start utilizing who you are and what you have. That's great. Um, well, so resilience helps us recover from what's horrible, but it also helps us deal every day with challenges of different kinds, whether it's a cold, you know, uh, wind blowing on you in an early morning run or rejection. Maybe you're in school and uh, somebody is kind of mean to you or they're forming like a clique against you. That's a real challenge you got to deal with. So resilience is for everyday issues, not just for the worst day of your life, first of all. Second, um, if and to have any kind of ongoing well-being in a changing world, we need to be resilient. It's easy to have well-being. It's easy to be happy when your dog loves you and everybody loves you and you're eating chocolate yeah. and, you know, you're eating five-star reviews for your podcast and everything's really great, right? But how do you maintain well-being when things are challenging? Well, you need resilience for that. All right. So if well-being comes in large part from resilience, where does resilience come from? It comes from these psychological strengths of various kinds that we've been talking about. So that's the reason to develop these strengths to become more resilient and also to be successful and to be capable 
of working with other people, running a business, succeeding in a career, going to school, and managing your own thoughts and feelings. So that's kind of the overarching framework here. Mm-hmm. Inside that framework, so you, how I interpret your question is you're saying, okay, Rick, come on, man. What are your top three? Or yep. something like, <laughs> really, 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 really. Okay, good. Yep. I'll tell you, I, I think, first of all, the top three will depend on the person a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, kind of on average, a good guess would be number one, can you calm your body down when you're getting stressed? <clears throat> Absolutely central. Much research shows that one of the markers of long-term meditation practice or mindfulness practice is how rapidly the heart rate slows when people drop into a meditative moment. Okay. And more generally, if you look at top performers athletically or people in high-stakes situations like astronauts, or people operating in like emergency room medicine, or in a business environment where there's a lot of pressure, how rapidly can a person come back to what I call the green zone, have after they've been jacked up around fight, flight, freeze kind of stress. Mm -hmm. So training in resting state, calm strength, through repeatedly having and then taking in the good installing, I call it, rather than savoring, say, installing Mm -hmm. these beneficial experiences uh, of calm strength, that then builds up a reservoir inside people, kind of a storehouse of capability that is like a deep keel of a sailboat, so that when the winds blow, the sailboat rights its way Mm -hmm. rapidly. So I think that sense of calm strength, and it's not just calm, it's a feeling of strength and fortitude that we can deal with what's facing us. And one of my sources of calm strength, as I've mentioned, were hundreds of experiences while rock climbing yeah. or doing other ridiculously stupid things in the mountains. <laughs> All right. Second thing is to build up the sense that others truly do care about you. That is a major source of resilience. You, you know, it, these days, uh, there's a lot of long-term wars going on in the world. and. Uh, at least in America, maybe in Australia as well, because your soldiers have been fighting there too. Mm. Um, People are coming back from these really horrible situations, these combat zone environments, and some have PTSD and some don't from very similar circumstances. And many of the things that are protective around intense stress buffers and also help people in general face everyday challenges is the felt sense that uh, others find you likable they do care about you. It's not a perfect relationship, but they're your buds, they're your friends, or maybe they're part of your platoon or part of your team at work, or you have a sense of the internal sense of your buddies who are with you, or your grandmother who is with you, or your teacher, your rabbi, your friend who is with you as you face your challenges. That, that internal sense of social supplies and feeling connected that we take with us through repeatedly having and then taking in genuine experiences of feeling cared about um, is a really, really powerful resource, I think, for resilience. And then I think the last uh, one that I would really pick for resilience um, is the capacity to keep on going when you're uncomfortable, especially if you're scared. Mm. It's normal to be scared. And that's, for me, also, that's where mountaineering, and I think there are other kinds of sports that are good for this, were really good because if you're not scared, you're not paying attention. 
That's you know, you're a thousand feet off the ground. The wind is whistling. The storm is coming in. Your life is in the hands of your partner. Uh, you, there's a rope that's 10 millimeters thick, a centimeter thick that your whole life is depending upon. And you're, if you fall, you're going to fall 40 feet. You know, you're 20 feet above your protection. You're going to go another 20. That's a long way to fall. You're going almost 60 miles an hour. 40 feet of free fall by the time the rope catches you. If you're not a little nervous, you're an idiot. Mm. But don't let the fear overwhelm you. And and where, where this shows up a lot is interpersonally, where we're with other people who make us nervous, maybe because they're threatening, right? Or maybe simply because in a group environment, we're afraid of looking bad or foolish or making a mistake. Mm. Can we keep functioning even while we're anxious? Uh, or even if we're really angry, because someone has messed with us, can we keep being appropriate and not creating more trouble for ourselves and other people by, you know, overreacting, let's say, to somebody. And that's probably the third major resource that I would say is really important for resilience. And it's grown by repeatedly having those kind of experiences Mm. of being under pressure, being keyed up, being aware of your body, being revved up, not interpreting it as overwhelming, but interpreting it as normal activation of the body and finding that resolve in the core of your being that will not ever be defeated fundamentally and will keep on going no matter what. And then as you do that, internalize that into yourself and then try to generalize it to other situations. Uh, I've known a number of people who are very brave on the athletic field and very scared in their intimate relationships. Yes, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. it's important to generalize what we gain in one domain into all the domains of our life. Okay, those would be my top three. If I could sort of underscore uh, some of the things we've kind of talked about really in a summary way. One is this element of inner resources, psychological strengths of various kinds, and the importance of looking for ways to learn them, to develop and grow them. Right. That's a really important idea. And then uh, a lot, and, and when you realize that that's important to grow inner strengths, it then takes you into really valuing experiences of them. Uh, once you're already having or looking for ways to create those experiences or something related, and then really, really, really help it change your brain. Don't just zoom on to the next thing. Don't waste it on your brain with a negativity bias that is really vulnerable to rapidly changing Mm -hmm. from our negative experiences. So help it really land inside as a matter of personal habit. It's kind of a keystone habit to use that kind of phrase. We all have habits, good habits, bad habits of our good habits. Some matter more than others. And there are there are habits that are the foundation of the development and, and use of other good habits. And I think the strength of learning is the strength of strengths because it's the strength that grows the other strengths. Yes. Is there one challenge you'd like our listeners to focus on for this week? That's great. Uh, eat more chocolate. No, just kidding. <laughs> Although maybe, who knows? I would say uh, take in one good thing every day. Deliberately. And deliberately, uh, it's a low bar, but actually it's surprisingly easy to get toward the end of a day and realize you haven't done it, which sounds so dumb, right? Because good things are happening. Why not slow down for the course of a breath? That's usually less than 10 seconds. Over a single breath, 
to stay with that experience. It's interesting. We just don't tend to have a habit of marinating in our beneficial experiences. So my challenge would be to people, take in at least one good thing every day over the course of at least one breath and know that you've done it while you're doing it. Know that you're doing it while you're doing it. And at the end of the day, know that you did it. That would be my challenge, seven days in a row. Well, there we have it, everyone. And yeah, let's have Rick's challenge as your challenge for this week. Each and every single day, find lots of opportunities to take in the good and just sit with it for a while. As you know, it builds your confidence, it builds your resilience, your overall state of well-being, which is incredibly important for helping you create your very best self and chasing those big dreams and those goals that you have this year to make this year even better than last. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please do put it out there on social media. Tag me in at Dave Jorner and at Do Life Better Podcast. Share it with your friends and family, people who you are on the journey with as well. And maybe there's someone at work who you know has big goals or or maybe it's some a young person in your life or some of your friends or some family members who you know could just take that next step. Someone that you really want to encourage to believe in themselves, to back themselves, to make this year bigger and better. So I really encourage you to share it with one or two people who you know would really benefit from this episode. So again, thank you for spending some time with me today. I'm really excited. We've got some awesome interviews coming up very soon, which I can't wait to share with you. So till next time, all the very best doing your life even better. Thanks again for listening to the Do Life Better podcast. And have you subscribed yet? By subscribing to this podcast, that enables you to get notifications every single time a new episode is released. In your podcast app, you can find all the show notes for every episode. And if you'd like to get in contact, you can do so via email at hello at projecthatch.com.au. That's hello at projecthatch.com.au. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share it with someone you think will benefit from these messages, And now it's time to get out there and do life better.